fairly predictable weekend's uh, results in the finals this week, but there's still a bit to talk about there, and also a fair bit brewing down in Adelaide Crows land, so why don't we just crack right in and get amongst it. I did not unmute myself. That whole intro that was a piece of absolute uh, TV art and I didn't unmute myself. That's what happens when I don't have Macca around to pull me up. So, sorry, Barty and PJ, I'm sure you can hear me now, can you? Oh, there it is. Fantastic. Oh, my God. It wouldn't be a Crowcast without some sort of stupidity, uh, but never mind. Um, as I said, uh, it's just going to be me. Uh, Macca is uh, somewhere. I don't know where he is, but he's not here. And uh, <laughs> and Nicky's called in sick. So uh, um, it's just going to be me. So why don't we quickly just have a look at the... Um, why don't we just have a look firstly at the uh, finals results uh, and then we'll have a little bit of a chat about what's going on at uh, uh, the Slakes. Uh, anyone that's on the chat, if you've got a bit to add, uh, it would be great. Uh, we're interactive still, uh, but with uh, my cohorts absent, I reckon it's going to be a fairly quick one. <laughs> So anyway, on Friday night, Richmond 12.880 to St Kilda 6.13.49, a margin there of 31 points. Um, St Kilda a little bit of bad kicking, uh, but Richmond looked very, very powerful. Uh, the question that we had last week on the uh, cast was whether St Kilda could maintain their shape and their form and their discipline 
Um, in the end, they just couldn't convert, really. Um, and I felt like uh, Richmond came out with a fair bit of purpose um, on the night. And, uh, look, it would have been a big ask, uh, a big ask of St Kilda to overcome Richmond in that kind of form, and that seemed to be the case. Uh, get out of Kempy as well on Discord. Um, <laughs> Macca on the turts, I reckon you're right. Um, so, look, uh, just a couple of things about Richmond. I still think they're playing arrogant. I still think they're playing a bit uh, like an entitled team. Uh, uh, they certainly had the wood over St Kilda for most of the night, but I felt uh, like some of their efforts uh, just smacked of a bit of arrogance. And Brisbane showed that if you can stay with them um, over the course of the match and maintain your pressure for the course of the match, um, you know, Richmond are beatable. Um, so... You know, they come up against Port Adelaide next week and that's going to be a ripper of a prelim because uh, Port Adelaide are playing with a lot of confidence and a lot of belief and a lot of uh, team uh, ethos, I guess you'd say. Um, And uh, whether they can resist Richmond's manic forward uh, running uh, will be very interesting to see. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm... I'm still thinking Port might just get up uh, over Richmond. I, I think Richmond's attitude isn't quite right. I think uh, uh, the coach is trying to promote this unsociable football kind of thing. Um, but by the same token, um, I think that they just lack a little bit of discipline. I think Tom Lynch uh, again showed that he lacks a little bit of different discipline. Um, the only thing that's going to do the power in, I think, is the bloody umpiring. Because I don't know about you guys in chat, uh, but to me, they miss so much of what Richmond do. Uh, the little flicks, the little handoffs uh, that should be called throws, um, the high tackles, the high fendoffs, um, they just get away with so much, Richmond. Um, and it, 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 if you were a St Kilda supporter, um, on Friday night, you would have been yelling at the TV because, uh, you know, whilst St Kilda struggled to maintain any sort of uh, pressure, when they did apply pressure or with, when they did get up in Richmond's grill, uh, Richmond were just, just flouting the rules, in my opinion. Just flouting the rules in many respects, and the umpires didn't seem to want to pull them up. Anyway, so on Saturday we had uh, an absolute belting. Um, West Coast must be wondering how the hell Collingwood beat them Um, because I tell you what, they were either fatigued because of the travel or they just had one game left in them, which is what Nathan Buckley seemed to to suggest, that they played uh, one game too many. But they were absolutely woeful. And in the end, the scoreboard actually flattered them, in my opinion. They were lucky to kick five goals in the end. Geelong 15-10-100 to uh, Collingwood 5-2-32. I guess the question is, was it a case of Geelong being that good or was it a case of uh, Collingwood being that bad? Geelong certainly started off uh, very strongly, but I think they benefited from being able to play Dangerfield forward for large portions of the match um, because Collingwood's midfield just wasn't accountable. Um, none of their midfielders really showed 
any sort of intensity um, and it was it was chalk and cheese compared to the game against West Coast the previous week um, and as a consequence uh, Geelong or Chris Scott could afford to do his favourite trick of playing Dangerfield up forward and uh, Dangerfield I would like a survey on Discord uh, my view is that Dangerfield is the best player of the last 20 years in the AFL he is an absolute champion and I've got to say, I know hindsight's a beautiful thing. And I know that he wanted to go back and play at Moggs and live at Moggs and be King of Geelong and all the rest of it. But do you reckon there's a case that Adelaide should have made him the highest paid player in the history of the AFL to try and keep him? I really think there's a case to be made for Adelaide throwing every last cent um, at at danger just to get another contract out of him and make him the highest paid player in the AFL because he is an absolute star. I don't think I've seen I don't think I've seen a better player in in that um, in his vein since Michael Voss. Um, I think he plays in many ways quite similar to Michael Voss, but at the moment he's playing like a bloke who knows that this might be his last chance. For a premiership with this Geelong team because I reckon with a couple of uh, retirements uh, and blokes just getting a little bit older they may just be at the end of their window and uh, he's playing like a bloke who made the move uh, for a number of reasons but including winning a flag um, in his hometown and he's just he's just unstoppable at the moment. Vardy in the chat says he didn't leave for money. Buddy, I know he didn't leave for money. I know it was a family thing. I know it was all about lifestyle, etc. But could he have ignored $1.5 million a year over five years? Could he have ignored that? Um, you know, it's... Uh, I would have liked to have seen Adelaide test that. I would have liked to have seen them ask that question. Because he deserves to be the highest paid player in the AFL. We had him, so he was ours to lose. And uh, was the lure of Moggs Creek strong enough to resist $1.5 million over five years? Was it worth $7.5 million? I don't know. We'll never know. We'd never get a straight answer from Danger. But he's going to carry this Geelong team into a preliminary final. And uh, the way Geelong are playing... Um, it's touch and go in my opinion Brisbane were very very solid against Richmond the previous week uh, they took everything that Richmond had to throw at them um, and I think Richmond have got more weapons than Geelong Geelong rely on a few um, a Danger obviously being one of them they rely on Hawkins being uh, on top of his game they rely on touches from Selwood they rely on touches from Duncan, um, and they rely on, or they have been reliant on Lockie Henderson down back. He's had a very good final series so far. But I don't think they've got the same amount of weapons. I don't think they can hit you from as many angles as what Richmond can. And if Brisbane bring the same level of intensity and commitment and concentration uh, and effort over four quarters, um, I don't know. I don't think Geelong get up. At next week over Brisbane, so I'm tipping, I'm tipping a uh, 
Brisbane v Brisbane v, v Richmond rematch in the grand final. I think uh, that's. I don't think uh, Port will have enough firepower. Put it this way: Port are going to have to do everything right, in my opinion, to get over Richmond. Um, all their stars are going to have to fire. They're going to need big games out of uh, their guns. Um, and they're also going to need big games out of their bit players, their second tier. Um, if it's left to too few, then I think Port may struggle. So I think I think it's going to be a Brisbane-Richmond GF. Uh, I think it's going to be a classic based on the, uh, the final last week that they played. Um, and... You know, Brisbane at their home ground. Um, wouldn't it be great? Well, a bit of a Cinderella story, I think, for Brisbane uh, on the back of uh, a complete rebuild of that club uh, administratively and also from a player's perspective. They had the exodus not so long ago. What was that, about five years ago? Um, and since then, they've been slowly building. And I wouldn't begrudge them anything. Uh, Marco on the chat says <laughs> he'd like to see the Cats smash uh, Port by... 118 in the final uh, that would be a classic uh, it really would um, especially in their 255,000th anniversary um, but I don't. I think it'll be closer than that, Port will give it a good shake but I'm just leaning towards uh, Richmond in that game, I don't think Port make the GF to be honest with you so that's the finals out of the way um, and uh, as I mentioned I'm I'm running a bit blind here because I haven't got my cohorts. Macker, if you're listening, uh, thanks, mate. <laughs> um, but uh, we will get through it. I'm just calling up the AFC website here. We do have a few things uh, that have gone on uh, in Crow's Land. Um, let's have a look and see if we can call up what's been happening since our last podcast. We had a couple of re-signings. One was quite... Um, Quite surprising, I've got to say. Um, the uh, we had Benny Keys re-signed for two, uh, which I thought was a really good uh, re-signing. Um, right, yeah, Benny Keys. That's nah, not even on there. Let's have a look at it. And I will go through the AFLW uh, draft as well in a second. Uh, no, show you more. Anyway, we had um, we had Benny Key sign for two. It's uh, uh, that was uh, not unexpected at all. But Kieran Strawn, Kieran Strawn has got signed up for another year now. Uh, didn't impress me. Didn't look anywhere near an AFL level football, either up forward or in the ruck. Uh, in his one outing. Uh, he has looked okay at SNFL level, um, but in his one AFL outing, he looked slow, he looked cumbersome. Obviously, he competed okay in the ruck, but it, so it should. He's 200-odd centimetres. But I don't know. It smacks a bit of a Patrick Wilson extension. Um, we're never going to... We're never going to play Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson would would have almost been last selected on the list. Um, and yet um, he got kept on. Kieran Strawn the same. Obviously, 
it seems like he's been kept as ruck insurance, um, which I guess is fair enough. But we do have the Berg and we do have Frampton, um, uh, who can both ruck in a pinch. Uh, certainly not A-grade ruckman by any stretch, but uh, given the nature of the game at the moment, uh, it's debatable whether you need more than one A-grade ruckman on your list. Um but he's asking whether it's as a rookie. I'm not sure. I think it is. I think he's been re-signed as a rookie. But we don't even know what the list makeup's going to be yet. So, I don't know. No. PJ asked, does it indicate we aren't going to on the draft? PJ, that was my first thought. I actually thought that re-signing um, Strawn essentially meant that we weren't going to go for Riley Tilthorpe. Um, I don't think we're going to go for Tilthorpe anyway. But it seemed to me that um, by keeping Kieran on for another year, we basically uh, signalled that we're not going to go for Tilthorpe. Um, but who knows? I mean, they may just think that Tilthorpe's a bit green and wouldn't be up to rucking in his first season. And they needed Strong for another year. So, I don't know. That was a funny one uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but anyway, there it is. Uh, the other one was, of course, the uh, <coughs> pardon me, the uh, sanctions that eventually were handed down by the AFL, which surprised me a little bit. Um, sanctions handed down by uh, the AFL on Stengel and Crouch. Uh, so Bradley Crouch got two-game suspension. Uh, so the first two matches of the 2021 AFL Premiership season... Uh, they both have to attend a drug and alcohol education course, which they also have to do for their um, for their arrest as well, uh, part of their um, legal obligations. I don't know whether the two uh, count each other out or whether they have to go and sit through two of them, um, but uh, certainly as far as the AFL penalty is concerned, they both have to go and sit that course. And Tyson Stengel got four weeks, which I thought was probably on the upper end of okay and uh, the AFL have mentioned that he got a stronger penalty because of his early season indiscretion being drunk uh, or driving DUI and unregistered and unlicensed and whatever the hell else uh, and I still beggars belief that an AFL player can not get his rego on his car <laughs> so I don't know how that works <clears throat> the interesting thing was that it was the AFL that handed down the suspension and Adam Kelly came out um, subsequent to that suspension being announced to say that it became clear, I think his words were, it became evident during discussions with the AFL and the AFLPA that the the Crows themselves weren't in a position to hand down a, uh, a sanction, which was interesting, um, interesting, um, Quite sure how that all works. I mean, the AFL handled down their penalty on the basis of bringing the game into disrepute. So it's unclear whether um, either of those boys received a strike under the illicit drugs policy. Um, they, according to the drugs policy, you can get um, a strike for possession. You don't have to necessarily test positive for the substance. You can get done for possession. Um, but it was interesting that they mentioned that um, the penalties were in accordance with the, with bringing the AFL into 
disrepute. So uh, it seems a bit each way for mine, and it seems seems a convenient way of the club staying out of it, and also uh, both players and Brad Crouch in particular serving those penalties, irrespective of whether actually um, irrespective of whether actually saying uh, playing next season. Uh, Crouch, you know, widely tipped to go. Uh, it will still have to serve that suspension. So, an interesting one. Um, uh, Godra in the chat on Twitch, and thanks for joining us on Twitch. I'm worried about Stengel. No one who is doing okay mentally has this repeated behaviour. Um, I'm not going to stereotype Stengel. Um, but I'm going to say that certain demographics are more prone to erratic behaviour and, and um, antisocial behaviour than others. Um, I think the DUI was an unforgivable offence. Um, the the getting caught in possession was more stupid because he certainly wouldn't have been an orphan when it, when it comes to uh, post-season Recreation, uh, so, uh, you know, that was a bit of stupidity. Uh, now, it's interesting that they got caught on CCTV. Is that really how it happened? I don't know. Um, why didn't they catch the dealer? I don't know. Um, seems a bit sus to me, but uh, in any event, I'm not too concerned about Stengel. I think he's got a bit, to, bit of work to do on his character, absolutely. Um, I think that the... Culture issue is a bit overstated because I don't think he'd be the first or the last AFL player um, to make such a mistake. He's just uh, silly enough to get caught. So I don't think he's going to do a hell of a lot of damage in terms of his reputation with his teammates. Certainly with the supporters, he definitely will uh, need to um, lift his game in that regard. But, uh, yeah, look... um, in terms of Brad Crouch, I don't think it's going to affect us because I don't think he's going to be here. Um, anyway, so that was that, um, and we can all move on from that now. Oh, the only other thing to mention on that one, a lot of people, particularly Victorian journalists like bloody John Ralph and uh, Jay um, Clark, talking about the, the negative impact on uh, negotiations uh, for Crouch. Jay Clark came out and said... Uh, you know, Geelong wouldn't offer more than 450k for Crouch. Just being silly. There's no way in the world that the uh, drug suspension has any impact on his uh, contract negotiations, which would have been well underway anyway. Um, and there's no way in a pink fit that if Geelong are interested that they're going to offer up 450 I'm still confident that we get band one for Brad, Brad Crouch. And the reason why I'm confident is because of the free hit that it gives other clubs. Um, by stumping up a bit of extra coin, uh, spending a bit more on salary, they're basically saving themselves a pick. So, you know, if they think he's worth 600 and uh, um, they need to stump up seven to get it over the line, they're basically paying $100,000 to keep their first round pick. And I think that's a pretty good equation for most, most teams, uh, you know, um, notwithstanding what their TPP situation is, but that's fairly flexible these days. Um, 
but I do um, I do uh, think that a team will stump up the money in order to just get him for free otherwise and it will be enough to get us banned and uh, or a pick after our first pick, which will give us pick number two, which opens up a whole lot of possibilities, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, PJ Crows, yes, uh, a rumour from uh, one of our fantastic sources uh, mid-year or sort of August-ish, talking about Haightley, and that's come true. Uh, Jackson nominated the Crows um, as his club destination of choice. It's going to be very interesting to see how GWS play this. They've got a few other uh, blokes like Caldwell that they need to worry about. Williams, they haven't put a lot of time into Jackson uh, during his two years there. Um, We've had a good trade relationship with GWS for the most part Um, in the past. I can see it getting done for a, uh, a late pick, certainly probably a third rounder, I reckon. Any, any more expensive than a third rounder I don't see us spending 20 or 21 uh, on Haightley and I don't see GWS realistically uh, expecting that particularly considering we have picked one in the PSD uh, I don't expect us to use that as a as a, a stick to beat GWS over the head with but nonetheless it's there, it's obvious uh, everyone knows it and I think as a consequence, GWS would be fairly reasonable in their trading. Um, and we should hear that get over the line pretty early on in trade week, I'd reckon. Um, not much other trade news, unless someone in the chat wants to remind me of uh, something. Um, so I'll just run through the uh, the AFLW. And it's a pity, we'll get Nikki to talk about these girls a bit uh, later on, uh, it is a pity that uh, she's not here. My understanding is that these three girls came from uh, all from South Adelaide, uh, which is uh, great work by um, the South Adelaide uh, women's. Tia, Tia Charlton um, at um, at pick four, 170 centimetre midfielder from South Adelaide. Uh, we'll just run through her highlights there for people. Everyone knows Australia um, has four big banks, but the um, but uh, look, I've watched these um, these highlights. She looks like a very likely type, very strong around the contest, good overhead, and uh, also a great goal, if you don't mind. Uh, have a look at this one from the pocket. Just slots that through nicely. Um, so she'll be a very good uh, pick-up and only 18, so she's going to be around for a while. Uh, as you can see there, she can take an overhead mark. She's not all that tall, but uh, obviously just got really good skills um, and uh, good footy IQ. So she'll be a valuable addition. We had uh, pick number 45 was Raquel Mar. I think it's... Um, sure, I think it's Raquel, but pardon me if that's not the case. Uh, a diminutive midfielder, 152 centimetres. She actually comes from West Adelaide. Uh, so... Um, uh, my earlier statement was incorrect. Um, but again, uh, she's an inside mid. She gets a lot of the ball. Uh, she's 21, I think, or 22. And she was the West Adelaide vice-captain where she averaged 18 disposals, 7 tackles and 5 clearances per game prior to the shutdown. And you can see her there with her tenacity just running down 
tackling. She's obviously a bit of an inside beast. Uh, look at her get through that traffic. Um, got a bit of pace about her as well and good foot skills. So, um, you know, uh, the girls play it pretty tough and it seems like she'll be a valuable acquisition for them. And then Ashley Woodland at uh, pick number 47. Uh, Ashley is a 179 midfield forward, played at North Adelaide, so I was actually completely incorrect with my earlier statement about they all came from South Adelaide. Uh, Stupid. Uh, And she was also involved with the Melbourne AFLW team prior to that. So uh, a good pickup. She's also a very physical player um, and has a good pair of hands as well. And she had a very good season uh, for North in the SANFLW. That's a bit of a mouthful see there that uh, she's got good hands and good disposal as well. So we'll get Nikki to give us a bit more info because God knows I don't know enough about these girls. I should know, but I don't. But uh, Nick will get us amongst it uh, when she joins us again next week. Now, what else have we got to talk about? I think that's all... Um, uh, of factual information let's talk about some speculation first of all um, uh, the talk is very strong and I think we mentioned this last week that James Riley will be joining us uh, as forward coach from Geelong obviously uh, nothing's been announced as yet on that one uh, but the, the talk is very strong and I would expect uh, when Geelong bow out or win their grand final uh, that we'll hear uh, of James' appointment uh, which would complete our coaching staff, I would think, certainly our assistant co- our line coaches. Um, there was also news, um, an interview that uh, Neil Baum did with SEN, um, which was a real, it highlighted it was a real shame both for the club but also for Neil. Uh, he's uh, suffering an undisclosed, what he called an unusual medical condition, uh, which led to advice from his medical team Uh, that he shouldn't um, move. Um, It looked like he was set to move in a... a, It looked like a... It sounded, from what he was saying, like a consulting role. Uh, I think he called it a grandfather role, grandfather of the footy department, to assist with a number of key decisions and obviously to provide some uh, some experience uh, to what is a fairly young and inexperienced team, uh, both administratively and also uh, from a coaching perspective. It sounded like he was disappointed not to be able to fulfil that offer. Um, he mentioned that his wife's from Adelaide and he's got tons of ties here in Adelaide, obviously, having spent time at, uh, at the Red Lakes, but it wasn't to be. He's staying uh, with Richmond and uh, that's that. And I think the indications... For that were there when we ended up appointing uh, Tom Hurley, um, which I mentioned, and no one seemed to know much about this one. But when we uh, when we appointed Tom, it seemed like that was pretty much all of the uh, positions filled. So um, yeah, never mind. It would have been great, but it would have been worse if Barmy come over here and then discovered his medical condition and. Uh, either had to drop off or, uh, you know, heaven forbid we had another Dean Bailey situation. That would have been terrible. So never mind on that one. Uh, The other one to talk about, I think, is uh, Razio Fantasia. Now, Fantasia is a 
medium forward, small forward, really. Uh, on his day, very dynamic, very quick. Um, knows where the goals are, um, but has had a terrible run with injury. Um, over the last couple of seasons, I don't think he's got on the park much at all over the last two seasons. and um, But he's announced that he wants to... That he has a desire to come back to South Australia. Now, it was announced... As I understand it, correct me guys in the chat if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, his management um, preempted interest from Port Adelaide and Adelaide by having Ratio do a, uh, a medical, and that information was sent to both the Adelaide clubs. I'm a bit uncertain about this one. On his day, he's a very good player, and he certainly burst onto the scene a few years ago uh, during his first couple of seasons. But I just don't see where he fits. And if they're going to drop a couple off the list uh, in terms of list sizes next year, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of room to carry players. Um, and I feel like I feel like he'd be a better fit at Port Adelaide um, if if he could get his body right and get you know fifteen to twenty games into him. Um, then I think there's, they've got a definite need for a dynamic small forward. A definite need for uh, Robbie Gray's getting on in years. Um, and, you know, he runs through the middle a bit as well. But I think a bit of speed in that forward line um, underneath Charlie uh, would be just a ticket for Port Adelaide. So I would imagine that Port would probably probably be more interested than we would. We've got Stengel, we've got Murphy... Um, we've also got um, McHenry, who can play as a small forward. Uh, we've got a couple of good size, medi- uh, good medium size uh, forward prospects as well. So um, I don't, unless we could pick him up for nothing, and unless we had a, a spot on the list that, uh, the extent that it wasn't going to compromise picking anyone else, I- I'm happy for him to go to Port Adelaide. To be honest with you. Um, not much else going on in terms of Crows in trade slash draft land at the moment. Logan McDonald is certainly firming as the number one um, pick, uh, which is obviously ours. Um, Nathan O'Driscoll, I think, was uh, quoted in an interview in WA last week that the Crows were quite keen to um, bring both those boys over. Um Apparently, the Crows interviewed both those boys at Nathan's house, I believe, or one of the boys' houses. Uh, the good mates, they both play for Perth. Um, O'Driscoll's really uh, worked his way into the season well at league level now, um, and Perth you know, ended up making finals. Logan, I think, was second in the goal-kicking from 13 games or something and, and uh, was a real revelation and one of the key reasons why Perth did make the finals over there. Um, uh, placing O'Driscoll in the draft order has been interesting. I've seen a few fan Cal Toomey doesn't rate him at all according to his own draft, uh, but some other pundits uh, rate him as a first round choice. I certainly rate Nathan O'Driscoll still as a first round choice. Um, so it would surprise me um, if we took them as a package deal. The interesting one then, of course, is Elijah Hollands. Um, I have a feeling Hollands may slip a little bit, not to our number eight pick, um, but 
there's a bit of speculation about if we do get number two for Brad, we'll have one, two, and eight, and then we'll have 20 and 21. Uh, Western Bulldogs obviously have the uh, um, the academy guy that they want to pick at uh, who will be bid on, you would think, by Adelaide at this stage at number one. I'm just wondering whether there's something that can be done with the number 12 pick that Western Bulldogs currently have. Um, there's some speculation about whether we would uh, do a two-for-one deal with Western Bulldogs to get their number 12 pick, given that they've got a need for points, the Bulldogs. Um, you know, there's talk about 20 and 21, or depending on what we get for Rory Atkins, Um you know, or maybe we want to shift into the 21 draft, which I'm a big fan of, uh, given some of the talent in that draft. So, um, it's a bit of a... I think there's going to be a bit of talk about the Bulldogs pick at 12. I also think if we do get um, number two for Brad, I think there might there's a possibility that we might do number two for either Essendon or Sydney's first round pick this year and their first round pick next year. I could see that happening. I could see us taking one and eight and possibly 12 to the draft and trying to get uh, Rich, what are, what are Essendon? Essendon a pick six. So we would end up with one six, eight, and maybe 12, with two being given to Essendon in that scenario for their number six and their first round of next year. I could see that being a go. I could see a similar um, scenario playing out with Sydney. Um, Both of those uh, clubs, I think, would be keen to get their hands on... Uh, the top end talent because to be perfectly honest with you I don't rate this draft much at all I think there's some good tools uh, the lad uh, the defender um, with the hyphenated name Granger Baines I think his name is uh, he's a good prospect absolutely um, I think Riley Tilthorpe is still a good prospect uh, there's a couple of very solid midfielders Will Phillips um, Tanner Bruin uh, Elijah Hollands, obviously, although Keats being called a midfielder, but he hasn't played a lot of midfield, um, and he's coming off that ACL. I have a feeling we may try and do a deal into next year's um, into next year's draft. PJ doesn't reckon the Bombers will give up uh, their twenty twenty one first rounder for our pick two, but uh, there's other stuff that can there's other stuff that be that can be chucked in there. Um, I don't know but uh, Essendon and Sydney are the two teams I think that we should be talking very hard with to see whether we can leverage their pick into next year's draft because as I mentioned that draft's got some teeth Jason Horn in particular uh, is one that I'd really love to get and given our trajectory over the last um, you know six weeks of 2020 and uh, given games into our youth See us finishing bottom four. I think there's some teams like North Melbourne, Gold Coast, um, Essendon, uh, 
um, that will that will really uh, push us for those bottom three spots. And then it's a bit of a crapshoot. You don't know what Fremantle are going to do. You don't know how Sydney are going to go. Um, you know, so we could be in the middle of the ladder and looking at you know sort of pick six or seven, which I don't think is going to be good enough to get um, a bloke like uh, Jason Horn based on his current trajectory. So, you know, uh, a lot of stuff to play out. Uh, I think November 4th, I think, is when trade, let's call it week, starts. Uh, So we've only got a couple of weeks to wait. Um, uh, And I think there'll be a fair bit of movement First of all, we obviously need to know what AFL's uh, decision is on list sizes. Um, I think then we may see one or two. We've still got a few out of contract at Adelaide. We've got DMAC out of contract uh, and a few others out of Galooch uh, and a couple of others out of contract as well. So uh, obviously there's a bit to play out there yet. Um, so yeah, but... You know, it's a very healthy position that Adelaide are in at the moment. Uh, even with those uh, those second round picks, twenty and twenty one, Tom Powell uh, has really kicked on for Sturt uh, in the second half of the year. We've also got Poulter, uh, who's played pretty well, and a couple of others in the sample who have exposed form, um, as well as a couple of mid tier um, Vic Country uh, lads as well. That whilst they don't have exposed form, they probably be most likely to be around that middle of the draft situation. We've obviously also got Borlace uh, and maybe New Church. PJ, what's your what's your feel on New Church? I don't know. If there's a rookie, I reckon we might actually rookie him. I, I don't know whether we'll pick him up with an NGA. I'm not sure. His form for Centrals has been pretty uh, pretty pretty low. So, uh, Carol on uh, Facebook reckons give North our pick two this year for their first pick next year. Carol, it sounds good in theory, but uh, I reckon North uh, with pick three this year and, well, at this stage pick two, but probably pick three, I reckon they'll have pick one next year. (laughs) And I don't reckon they're going to want to, I don't reckon that they're going to want to give that up. Uh, I reckon we're going to have to speculate a little bit um, and uh, try and get in the top four or five next year if we can. And that's, as I mentioned earlier, Essendon or probably Sydney. Um, PJ reckons he watched Newchurch uh, play for Henley um, in the uh, Amos. I agree, PJ. Speculative. Uh, his form hasn't been as good. He hasn't kicked on as much as what I think people originally thought. Uh, so again, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna come down to list size, whether we pick him up. Um, Luke uh, Edwards is the other one. Uh, there's speculation around whether he will nominate for the Crows as father's son, or whether he will just go into the draft. I don't look. To be perfectly honest with you, I think Luke's a very good player. Uh, he's you'd probably rate him in an open draft as sort of end of second round, mid to end second round, um, at best. I don't know whether the Crows have a huge amount of interest at this late stage. So I don't know whether... I think they'd be happy 
um, to let Luke go into the open draft if if that's where it fell. I think the fact that um, Luke hasn't nominated Adelaide is indicative of the Edwards family's desire to give him as many options as possible uh, and to allow other clubs to talk to him. And I think, to be honest with you, Adelaide are quite happy for those conversations to be had. And I think if there's another team that uh, are quite interested in Luke, I think Adelaide would probably advise him not to nominate and uh, just to get picked up by that team. Um, he's certainly, like, to me, he's a very good all-round player, but I don't see a weapon. Um, I, I just don't see a weapon. Um, um, and he looks a little bit cumbersome, uh, me, for the type of position that he plays. So, I don't know. Um, we all had him as a first-round pick this time last year, so he hasn't kicked on a bit. But then again, you know, these kids, they develop at different rates and their bodies develop at different rates and he may be going through a bit of a growth spurt that has just made him look a little bit slow. Who knows? Um, But at this stage, I think Edwards will probably go to the open draft. Anyway, look, um, I don't think there's anything else that we can uh, talk about at this stage. Obviously, I can't get anyone else's opinion because uh, I've been left high and dry by my cohorts, but that's okay. Uh, I think we've got through 45 minutes pretty well. We will be back next week um, for... uh, um, another edition of the Crowcast Weekend Wrap. Obviously, we'll be wrapping up the two preliminary finals uh, next week, and I think they're both going to be crackers, to be honest with you. As I mentioned, I reckon I reckon Richmond get up over Port, and I reckon Brisbane get up over Geelong, which will leave us with a rematch for the grand final. So um, we'll wait and see. But in the meantime, thanks, everyone, for sticking through this uh, bit of a dry podcast with only me here uh so i appreciate that don't forget to get around us on aflcrowcast.com join the community on our discord channel it's well worth it and we're going to be ramping that up next year as well so that'll be uh good to get you in on the discord channel uh subscribe to us on youtube um like us on facebook follow us on twitter all that sort of stuff i'm gonna shut up thanks everyone good on you and we'll see you next week